Good morning, East Coast. Hope you're doing well. It is my privilege and pleasure to be bringing the word to you this morning. And yeah, uh, I just want to let you know also, Joe is my best friend. <laughs> and uh, I'm, I'm so grateful that he's getting a church like you guys, but also that you're getting a person like Joe. And it just seems like a God-ordained thing. And so uh, I'm really celebrating. I'm going to miss my friend a lot. I often go and wander down the, the passage to his office and have some good conversations. And don't be surprised if when I'm on leave, you find me slipping through that back door and coming and enjoying the odd service here myself. Um, I'm, really, I'm really keen to see what God's going to do in this church. And for today, I think we, we can all agree that none of us are really fond of load shedding. It is something that we really detest. It is it feels wrong that the, the electricity that we've paid for, we don't always get to use. And, and if you're anything like me, the moment the power goes off, you begin to have a few desires welling up in your heart. One of them is for coffee. And the other one is for a nice, warm meal. And we seem to, as human beings, be so good at gravitating towards the things that we can't have. <laughs> and so the moment, the moment the lights go out, especially when the sun is down, you begin to realize that you don't actually know your house and where the furniture is placed as well as you should. You begin to find it with your shins and your little toes. And, and it is then that you realize that as soon as the, the sun has gone down, the lights go out, one of your greatest needs is to find light. And if you're anything like me, you've usually got a cell phone nearby and you use your cell phone lights. And then from there, we get out the big magnetos or the LED strips or candles and you put them everywhere so that you can see what's going on. So you don't go and wound yourself on your own property. And we can do this spiritually as well when we do not live by the light that Christ provides for us. And so what I'm going to be speaking about this morning is the light of the gospel. The way that formerly our hearts were in darkness, but God then goes and acts. And all of a sudden there's a change. And there are many different ways that God changes us, but he also wants to prepare us for these new changes. And so I'll be preaching from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6 to 9 should be up on the screen. Here we go. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. That leads me to my first point for today. Point number one, the light of the gospel. And I'll be focusing on verse six for this point. What we need to look at is that when Paul goes and he speaks about God who said, let light shine out of darkness, he's referring to something from long ago. He wants us to look deeper at what he's referring to. It's one of those Simba Rafiki moments from The Lion King. You know where Rafiki's trying to teach Simba something and he says to him, look deeper, Simba, look deeper. And they're looking into this pool of water and poor Simba doesn't quite get it. And so quite soon after that, he gets a crack over the head with the staff. And then afterwards, he slowly but surely starts to understand. Paul is saying that to us. He says, look deeper at what I'm saying here. He says, God who said, let light shine out of darkness has now shone in your hearts. He's speaking and referring to original creation. He says, remember that your salvation is a complete miracle, just like when God created all things right in the beginning. 
Before God had created, it was void. There was darkness over the face of the deep. Nothing had any sort of shape or beauty. And now look. You guys can all just take a good look out these windows. You have such a beautiful church. You look at the rivers and the trees and the birds. I saw kingfishers coming and dive bombing the fish. There is beauty and order in what God has created. It is stunning. And God says that when he begins a work in our hearts, it starts off in darkness. Paul goes so far as to say in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 8, For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. What God does is he looks at our hearts, which are not in the darkness. They are not struggling with one or two elements of darkness. He says, your hearts are the darkness. But God goes, and just as in original creation, where he said, let there be light. And all of a sudden, God begins his, his creative power uh, in original creation. He does the same thing in our hearts today. Looks at our hearts, and as there's light, he begins to shape, begins to form and mold us more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. And this is exactly what we're told just one chapter later in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. But what Paul really wants us to grasp from this is firstly, look to the original creation and know that you've got a good God who's over your sanctification. Once you've put your faith in him, he's going to shape and mold you into something that is absolutely beautiful. Trust him in this. But also, if you are a new creation, don't run back to your old way of doing things. If God has said, let light shine out of this darkness in your hearts, then go and separate yourself from the darkness and live like a child of the light. And as we speak about this light of the gospel, we can also take comfort in the fact that he's not speaking about some sort of an abstract principle that's out there. He's speaking about the person of Jesus Christ. It is Jesus Christ himself who is living within us and through us as the body of Christ. This is what Jesus said also when he goes and he says, I am the light of the world. He's the light of the gospel and he's not just the light of the Jewish people. When Jesus goes and he makes this claim, what was happening in Jerusalem at this time is they would celebrate how God led his people through the wilderness for 40 years. And they remembered that massive pillar of flame that used to guard them and give them warmth during the cold nights and, and it would lead them to the promised land. And so what they would do in Jerusalem is they would go and they'd set up a big torch and they would parade it around Jerusalem. Everywhere you looked, you could see where it was going. And as it gets to the end of its track, they would go and they would extinguish this torch. And it is at this point that Jesus stands up and he says, I am the light of the world. I'm not just the light of the Jewish people. And should you live by the light that Christ provides, he will lead you to the ultimate promised land. He's not only open to the Jewish people, he's open to the world. My second point for this morning is that we have treasure, but it is in jars of clay. And I'll be referring to verse 7. It says, but we have this treasure, this treasure of relationship with Christ. We have it in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And we live in a time where people sh show far too much concern for what they look like on the outside. They want to pay very careful and close attention to the clothes that they wear, what sort of shape their body is in. But what Paul is referring to here is not that, and he's not referring to our unique and beautiful character and personalities. 
He's saying actually that the most beautiful thing within a person is how much they reflect Jesus Christ to the rest of the world. He says, don't worry so much about the outside. He makes this analogy of a clay jar. And he says, the clay on the outside is actually worthless compared to what's inside. If I had a a massive clay jar about this high over here today, it could be filled up with solid gold up to about here. But you never see it unless that clay jar begins to break. And as it chips and it shatters and little pieces break away, it reveals the real treasure that is lying within that jar. And so Paul goes and he says, as a Christian, your main goal in life is not to see how perfectly intact your clay jar can be when you cross that line and you see Jesus face to face. He goes and he says, if you are going to take this seriously, this light of the gospel, there will be persecution that comes your way. There will be hardships that come into your life. And you don't have to be alive very long to realize that that is the case. Life is not a walk in the park, maybe Jurassic Park. (laughs) And so in many of your lives, that's going to take a very different look for each of us, but it might come in the form of severe financial difficulties. It might be relational strains. It might be people gossiping about you at your work. It might be one of the worst things that you could possibly experience, seeing a loved one slowly dying or one day when they pass away. And what will it be that that really gets you through those moments, that pulls you together and is a powerful witness to the rest of the world out there is if you go in faith within you, point to Christ and goes, it is not me holding myself together. It is Jesus Christ giving me a sense of endurance through all of these things. It is a powerful witness to a watching world that sees a hope within you that they don't have. And so we can go and we can say with the psalmist in Psalm 73, verse 25 and 26, he says, whom have I in heaven but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Each one of us are given a clay jar. It's our bodies. But there is something of incredible value that is placed within us. If your faith is in Christ, you have this treasure. You have this light of the gospel. And as long as that clay jar is perfectly intact... The light will not penetrate and pass out of that jar to the rest of the world. And so I'm going to share a story with you this morning. It's quite close to my heart. It's about my gran. My gran was struggling a bit, and she went to the doctor and had a scan. They found out that her stomach was riddled with cancer. And we were all really concerned for her. We didn't know what was going to happen. Ironically, she was probably the least concerned out of all of us. She was quite happy to go and see Jesus face to face. But she began to go through chemotherapy, and we saw session after session how she would become smaller and smaller. Her hair fell out. Her skin began to change color. And we were, we were concerned. Outwardly, the clay jar is being chipped and cracked and broken to pieces. But inwardly, there was something in my gran that didn't quite make sense to us at the time. She went back to the doctor Another scan, and they put her in a ward, and they were going to give her her results the next day. And while she was in that ward, there was one other person placed with her there who was not a Christian. And she witnessed to this person, and they put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ that night before passing away the next morning. My gran was given another four years with us after that point, 
And she said, Bryce, I would go through all of it again. I would go through every chemotherapy session. I would go through my hair falling out. I'd go through my skin changing color and all of these changes if it meant that I could just reach that one person. There is a way for us to live East Coast in such a way that we are not overly concerned with ourselves, but rather we're going, look to Jesus Christ. If the light of the gospel has shone in our hearts, there will be changes. Yes, there will be chips. There will be cracks and pieces broken off of ourselves, sometimes permanently. But the light of the gospel will shine out you and through you to the rest of the world. And it may well result, just like in this case, in everlasting salvation. My third and final point for today is that knowing Jesus gives us an endurance. And as a Christian, you're going to need that. If you read through all the letters of the New Testament, you'll find that many of those churches went through persecution. They struggled with people persecuting them left, right, and center. The Corinthian church is one of the very few that don't really have any real persecution. And one of the reasons for this is because they look almost exactly like the world around them. And so Paul is concerned that if, they, if these guys start taking this seriously, if they know that the light of the gospel has really shone in their hearts, And if they go and they start living like Christ as a child of the light, they are going to go through hardship and persecution. He doesn't want them to be disillusioned or unsure of what's about to happen. And so he goes and he gives them these next two verses, verse 8 and 9. He says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down but not destroyed. And for us to get the most that we can out of these last two verses, we're going to dissect and digest. It's sort of like if you have a massive T-bone steak in front of you, you shouldn't eat it all in one mouthful. Just cut off little pieces and enjoy it. And with these little subcategories, we're going to go through them one by one and see what we can learn here. Paul starts off by saying, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. This would be Satan coming and afflicting certain parts of your life, generally the things that are most valuable to you. And he does this because he wants to drive a fat wedge between you and God. He wants for you to say, why are these valuable things in my life being attacked? And for you to turn towards God and say, God, why are you doing this to me? A mature faith in Christ, what it does, as your life begins to shake and crumble and certain things begin to move around, what it does is faith in Christ reminds you of what is eternal. That is what it does. Satan runs the risk when he afflicts you in every way that you would turn to Christ and you'd begin to value the things that you can never lose. And so Paul's able to say here, afflicted in every way, everything that was valuable to this guy, it got afflicted. He says, but we're never crushed. And this light of the gospel, this treasure that's living within is something that is never taken away from you as a Christian. Never crushed. Next, Paul goes on and he says, perplexed but not driven to despair. I love that Paul puts that in, that there are moments as a Christian where you are going to be perplexed, where there are a lot of questions, not a lot of answers. But here's the difference, is because the world also has loads of questions. There are many things that they are completely unsure of and that they don't know, and they are driven to despair by it. What happens when you die one day? Where do you go? What's the purpose of your life? Many different questions. But for us as Christians, we can have many questions and never be driven to despair. And the reason why is because, once again, faith in Christ. 
Faith in Christ reminds you that you don't have to know the finer details of every single thing that's going on in your life. Because what you do know is Jesus Christ. And as much as you, you may think that there's many questions, many unknowns that you're going through, you know the one who's already written your final chapter. And you look at the stars in the heavens at night and you can go, this God is so mighty, he's so strong, he could change everything in my life. But when you look at the cross, you see the intimate love that this almighty God has for you specifically, that he would be willing to take his only son and that he would be crucified in your place so that you could be drawn into this relationship with him. He's a God who's not just mighty but intimate. And so though you have questions, and as we see from today, there will be moments where you are perplexed, you will not be driven to despair because of faith in Christ. Paul goes on to say, persecuted but not forsaken. It's a loaded statement. He, what he's doing is he's drawing parallels says, by the world, you will be persecuted and you will be forsaken by them. But the opposite is true when it comes to your relationship with God, which is eternal. By God, you are not persecuted, you are comforted. By God, you are not forsaken, but rather you are drawn into his family for all of eternity at the cost of his own son's blood. And so you can go through times where the world casts you off, where they might reject you for no other reason that you have a living relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. But what you do is you take comfort in the fact that you are never forsaken, drawn in for all of eternity. And finally, Paul lands on struck down but not destroyed. We as human beings have a tendency to sometimes make our trials out to be a lot worse than they actually are. We, we exaggerate from time to time. When Paul says struck down, he is not exaggerating. This is a man who has been struck down many times to the point where he cannot stand up. He cannot carry on. He has been shipwrecked three times. <laughs> he has been given the 40 lashes minus one. I think it was about five times. They came and they stoned him to the point where they thought, surely this guy has got to be dead. The brothers come and they lay hands on him, pray for him. Whoops, up comes Paul, off to the next city. He knows what it is to be struck down properly, physically. And his solution to all of this is not destroyed. I'm not destroyed ever. I know Jesus. And you might not be physically struck down, but there are going to be times in your life where you as a Christian are dealt a card where it feels like you have been struck down, where you just crumble and you don't know what to do or what is going to happen here. Take comfort in Paul's words. You are never destroyed. See, destroyed has a, a sense of finality to it. And what Paul would do is he would point us to Christ once again and for you to look at your own life and to see that your final chapter is completely written and it's written in the blood of Christ saying, paid in full. You will go through persecution. You will go through suffering in this world. But when all is said and done, we have a loving Savior who will wipe away every tear. We have a loving Savior who will take you fully and completely into his family where there will be no more pain, no more suffering, no more trials. And you'll be able to enjoy that for all of eternity. And so as I wrap up this morning, I want to remind you of Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. It says, and I am sure of this, 
that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Some of you may be hearing the sermon and you may be going, I am not there yet. Welcome to the club. <laughs> Sanctification is a process that is going to take our whole life lifelong. And so you may be hearing some of those things and going, that's not my natural response. When I feel struck down, I don't always naturally have this thought of, thank goodness I'm not destroyed. When I feel afflicted, I usually cry out. Instead of going, I'm never crushed. Thank you, Jesus, that your hands are still firmly around me. Know that this is a process. And it is a process that is overseen by a God who loves you tremendously. God tells us that he watches us in our pain and affliction the same way that somebody watches silver when that is busy and purified. Now, for silver to be purified properly, somebody would watch there constantly. If they let it go too long, it would burn the silver and damage everything. If they didn't let it go long enough, the impurities would never actually rise to the surface for them to scoop it off. And you have got the Lord Jesus Christ watching over your faith as it is refined like gold, watching you through your trials and knowing exactly where that breaking point is, but also beckoning that we would come to him and receive the strength and encouragement that we need. And so maybe you find yourself in the building this morning and you say, Bryce, those are beautiful promises, but I don't know if I know Jesus. May the Lord call you today to take your dark heart. I remember when I hadn't come to know Jesus and I had a very dark heart. And I bore myself before the Lord and I said, Lord, this is brass. Please forgive me. May today be the very first day that you get to taste and enjoy and see what it's like living with the light of the gospel within your heart. He will once again, just like he did a very long time ago when he said, let there be light. He will look at your heart and he'll say, let there be light that shines out of this as well. And from there, for the rest of us who have tasted and seen that the Lord is great and that it is wonderful to live in relationship with him, know that this light of the gospel is kept in jars of clay and that there are going to be moments in life where that jar of clay feels like it is being smashed to pieces, but the light of the gospel is going to shine out more and more brightly the closer you get to seeing him face to face. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you so much for our salvation. It is such a great gift, not just that our sins are paid for and that we'll go to heaven for all of eternity, though that is wonderful too, but Lord, that we get to live in relationship with you. We want to thank you, Lord, that even through persecution, through trials, through the hardships that life throws at us, you have promised to walk this road with us. You have promised that your spirit will be living within us, indwelling us, leading us and guiding us. And we thank you that you are the light of the world, Lord. And just as that pillar of flame guided your nation through the wilderness, you yourself take it upon your shoulders to lead and guide us to the ultimate promised land, to heaven. So, Lord, I pray for us as a church that you would comfort us in the tough moments, but, Lord, that you would spur us on to shine this light bright and far from every angle even in the midst of trial and suffering. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.